Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Grand Budapest Hotel, directed by Wes Anderson and released in 2014. The plot of The Grand Budapest Hotel is as follows. An aging author tells the story of Gustav H., legendary pre-war concierge of the Grand Budapest Hotel, whose adventures get him in trouble and send him on the run from the law with faithful lobby boy Zero. Every time I hear the name Zero, I don't know. Have you seen Holes? Yeah, you've seen Holes. Oh, ages ago. The uh, the boy who teaches Shia, the, who Shia LaBeouf teaches to read in that movie is called Zero. Right. Anyway, every time I hear it, I think of that. It was um, a slightly weird name choice, but... Oh, well, well the um, in this one, yes. But in that movie, his name is actually Hector Zeroni and they shorten it to Zero because they think he's a Zero. Right. Although, of course, I'm assuming Zero in this one is one of those... He's got no family. He's a foreigner, so let's just name him something, which is in itself commentary. So, yes, points to you, Wes Anderson. Um, This is the Wes Anderson-iest Wes Anderson movie. I thought of all the Wes Anderson movies, this one reminded me – this was was the most similar to The Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I think is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Agreed. Um, It had a lot of the same sort of sense of adventure and, like, escapism and literal escapism, all that sort of thing – and yeah, I think that one, this one reminded me most of that, which is, you know, mostly a good thing. That yep. was a really, really good movie. And this one had a really good adventure in it um, and all the fantasy sort of landscapes were cool. Mm. It looked uh, amazing. Did you do a, um, a th- oh, you did tell about the plot. Or I just did a sentence about, although not, I didn't go into too much detail, but basically I, I said that. I read this summary of it online. I I read this summary (laughs) of it online that said something like, an aging author, Tom Wilkinson, looks back at his life when he was Jude Law. And I'm like, yes, that's the best. But But it's not just that. It's like... Who looks back at his life when he was Jude Law in the 60s, who meets a man who... No, no, but even before that, the framing device for all of that is there's a revolutionary girl who goes to see the statue of the author Tom Wilkinson and then read his book, and then there's an intro to his book, which he then records, where he says that he was um, at the hotel and then he meets Zero, the older Zero, F. Murray Abraham, who recounts the tale of when he was younger and darker-skinned, and um, because, you know, that's how people get when they get older. They get Mm. white. Uh, and, um, yeah, when he was younger and then we get into the actual story. Which mostly takes place around 1932. So um, is- F. Murray Abraham is half Assyrian and half Italian. Yep. And Tony Revolori, the guy who plays Revolori, the guy who plays Zero, the younger Zero, is Hispanic. Okay. Just, you know, to make Because sense they just all. wanted someone brown. Yeah, yeah pretty okay. much. Um, hmm, yeah. And then we get into the real story of Rafe Fiennes as... Monsieur Gustave, the mm-hmm. concierge of the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes. So I don't really know where to start with this. I probably am going to start with how it looks because it's kind of gorgeous, but it really, really, um, uh, what's that word that I can't think of? Like kitsch? Yeah, like over the top. Yeah, extremely over the top. That is. I Each mean, three that's Wes Anderson's the, thing. Yes. The three different time zones are filmed in different aspect ratios. Mm. So you spend most of the movie looking at a movie that doesn't take up the whole screen. Yeah. I said to my friend halfway through the movie, I was like, has this whole movie been square? <laughs> like All the 1930s was square, um, four by three or whatever that is. And then the 1980s was like a... Um, like a rectangle within the screen. I don't know what that is. And then the 1960s was the full widescreen. 
Was it? Yeah. So what about the first timeline then? The, I can't. I wasn't the, paying the attention. I knew it was going to be in three different aspect ratios, but I wasn't paying enough attention to notice what that one was. It's funny that I didn't even notice it. it was when um he no, went you didn't. to he went to the um the prison where Gustav was. You know, the big giant yeah. prison gate that took mm-hmm. the whole screen. And I was like, hang on, it's square. And I didn't notice until then. Artifice was the word I was looking for. You know, when I when you said kitchen, I was kind of okay yeah. with that. Yeah, it was, it's all very, all a lot of artifice. So there's all that in just the filmmaking. But then, and amazing facial hair. So much facial hair in this movie. They, I didn't he, notice the facial the, hair. There's so much attention to detail. Like every little thing in Wes Anderson movies is like in exactly the place that it's supposed to be mm. and everything is very – and then they take care to shoot all of that. It, like it's there's, beautiful. you know, fixed cameras and all that sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, every single male character has a moustache of some kind except Zero who draws his on oh. um, or some facial hair of some kind. Yeah. I didn't know that. And basically all the characters are male, so you thought you'd think I would. I counted. There are a hundred characters in this movie. There are eighteen women. Oh, isn't that great? In and the whole there thing. There are four who get who sorry, there are three who get lines. No. No. Did the sisters There's get the a sister? line? Yeah, she no 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 one of the yeah the sisters talk at one point. Sorry, I they I do the I make when a they see the lesbian. Serge's sister also talks. So maybe there's like Seven women who get a line. They, they see the lesbian thing up on yeah. the wall and they were like, yeah, it was stolen, didn't you know? Um, yeah. The other painting was stolen, didn't you know? Anyway, it's notice- noticeably lacking yes. in women. I was actually going to get to that later because I have many, many things to say on that. But we'll start talking about it now because why not? Yeah, there are – so you, you've actually done the county. I can think of seven women who have lines, but yeah. none of them have very many lines. So Tilda Swinton has a couple of lines and then is killed off to advance the plot. Serge's sister has one line and then is killed off to advance the plot. Uh, I really thought Agatha was going to die. Well, she kind of did. ages. Yeah, me too. I thought Agatha well, was going to die Well, yeah, but she too. didn't – she didn't die in the movie no. and she didn't wasn't really fridged. She just lived no. her life and then died. Yes, yes. Like uh, so she, off, off, off screen, screen after the action yeah. took place. So then so I Agatha has no lines the first few, quite a few times we see her. Like she's just framed as this object of desire for Zero. Mm. And then she finally has some lines and she gets to do some stuff but then also has a tragic backstory where she dies young. And then we have... There's Clotilde, the maid, who was played by Léa Seydoux, who is like a really good actress who has maybe three lines mm. in the whole thing. And is only there to be untrustworthy. And uh, like, yeah. the, I find it really strange that there's no other maids in the movie, uh, a movie about hotels. There are no other women work at the hotel. Yeah. Uh, there are no like women staying at the hotel, it seems. Well, no, sorry, rich old widows. Who yeah. The Which concierge. Tilda Swinton in heavy makeup. Um, I do. Mm. I did really like Tilda Swinton and Saoirse Ronan in the movie. Yeah. With what they got to do, they were good at it. But and Saoirse well, Ronan's whole visual it, thing with the the Mexico birthmark on her face, which is very odd. But you know, well, that's this is the whole thing about the movie. I quite enjoyed it. It's beautifully made and beautifully put together. It looks gorgeous. I was just on Tumblr before trying to find pictures for us to reblog this week, and there's so many. Mm. Our favorites list has expanded exponentially because they're just, it's beautiful. There's lots of beautiful frames. I love. The, all the nods to noir and crime movies and being on the run and making fun of the Nazis. I love Rafe Fiennes. It's just that the whole time it was just nagging at me that like there's hardly any women and they keep getting killed off or they're going to be killed off. Yeah. Or they're, they're 
just not doing anything. Yeah. And all the good roles are for men and there's all these famous men in good roles and it just made me feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. Um, Wes Anderson makes these movies where he just puts his friends in them and there's a lot of unnecessary cameos in this. I mean, Jason Schwartzman's role was so pointless and he did a weird accent. There's a lot of weird accents. I can't figure out why half the people in Europe in this thing are American and all the countries are made up. It's so odd. But anyway. Some, yeah. Well, some people use their own accents mm. and some people don't, but there's no sort of rhyme or reason about that. No, there's Although no continuity. Although I did continuity. like that um, when Owen Wilson came in as the concierge, he was called Monsieur Chuck. That made me laugh. <laughs> that was funny. Anyway, Ray Fiennes, though, in this movie was just brilliant. Like, absolutely astonishingly brilliant. He was made for this exact role, he I swear perfect, to God. He was perfect, wasn't he? He was so... And that role is interesting because they talk about him being, like, a product of a bygone age. Like, even mm. at the end of the movie, um, Older Zero says that um, that he... He's, Monsieur Gustave wasn't even a man of his time in his time. Yeah. Like, he was a man of... You know, at time before then, he's very gentlemanly all the time. He's unfailingly polite, except for one scene. And that scene really put a bit of taste in my mouth for the whole thing. And I think, like, after that, I, I sort of started – it pulled me out of it and I started noticing some nasty little things about the movie. The scene where he goes off on a racist rant at Zero mm. for forgetting things and he blames it all on him being an immigrant. And then Zero says he's a refugee and he's like, oh, well, that's okay then. I feel bad now. As mm. though, like, that legitimizes him and that makes him worth being there. Yeah. It was really, really nasty. He, the thing is that character was – that was kind of what I liked about the character and hated about the character. Like, he's got that edge to him and he is nasty and he's not – No, but I, the thing that gets me is that it's not so much about the character. Like, mm. as a character moment, that was fairly interesting and, you know, it does show him, like, the negative sides of being from that bygone age. Yep. And it's all this act that he's putting on to try and be more upper class than he really is. And then he resents people who are from sort of a similar class to him and all that sort of thing. I get that. But the thing is, I don't necessarily – it didn't necessarily feel like that was just the character's point of view. Yep. It felt like that was a wider point of view. That, like, if he's an immigrant, then he's just, you know, pointless. And if he's a refugee – then that's sad, so we should feel bad for him. Yeah. Like, that was a really – and then it became a bonding moment instead of him being called on it. I didn't like that. It's, it, you know what I mean? That, yeah, it, I don't like it either. It didn't bother me as much as the way he behaved with Agatha, especially when he had yeah, her to the hotel and was, like, questioning her but also being, like, lecherous towards her. It was ick. That was – that icked me out more. But that's the thing is that the lecherousness was a, definitely a part of his his yep. whole personality. But the racism wasn't the, the, supposed to be? No, there wasn't any up until that point. Yeah. There wasn't any in the whole rest of the movie. Hmm. At no other point in the movie is he racist, right? Yeah. It's only when Zero does something that he doesn't like that suddenly he erupts in this tirade of racism. Hmm. The sexism thing is part of his act. Mm. Right? Like it's part of... It's who he is, his, yeah. Yeah. But not, not who he is, but part of his whole persona that he's built. Yeah. And then this racism thing isn't. And that was what... And then like it felt like... Yeah. It it didn't feel like... It, also, he got called on treating Agatha badly. Yeah, he did. I Yes, he did. I, um, I just, although I it was in a possessive way from Zero. So. Well, that's that, that bothered me as well. The yeah. whole, he's only not going to hit on this girl because... Another guy doesn't want him to hit on this girl. Yeah. yeah. No. Which is always which is you know. unpleasant. 
yeah, so I, the, yeah, the, I didn't so much. Um, I, I, I get the racism thing, but I just act, it seemed almost in character. So it was I, in character. It's yeah. not the in characterness of it that I'm questioning. It's, it's the implications of it, right? Especially since he's the only one who stands up for zero. Yeah, in other scenes. border guards, yeah. right? So you're like, if he's the one who's standing up for him and he's still racist, it's pretty pathetic. And also, there is that that immigrant versus refugee thing that it brings up. Yes, I mean, not that. Uh, it's like people I who think, are more worthy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, it, and and absolutely, we should help refugees and all that sort of thing. That's not what I mean. I mean that like it makes it okay for him to be there because he's a refugee and he had a hard life, as opposed to if he just chose immigrated, chose come. to live there. Yeah. Like, why is that such a terrible thing if he just mm-hmm. went over there and chose to live there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. All right. There's, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't deserve racism just because he chose to live in a different country. No. So yeah. That was really, really – I didn't like that. And then after that, I just kind of – the whole rest of the movie didn't charm me as much as everything that happened before it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I, if I can reference a podcast that isn't going to be out before this one. I felt like this one like I did about the Lego movie in mm. that I enjoyed myself, had a good time, liked the plot, thought it was fun, all that kind of stuff. But then there was always that in the back of my mind that sort of oh, this isn't quite right and mm. it was particular to me it was the women all these women being killed off horribly mm. so early on that that just it sort of kept me out of it a little bit even though i was having fun watching it i and i really enjoyed the caper aspect of it i don't think i think the only woman who gets killed off before that is tilda swinton yeah, it's Tilda and um and the no sister. the sister doesn't die till after that. I know that it happened at different times, yeah. but it was the Tilda well, thing put me offside at the start, and then it just got worse. Yeah, see the yeah. Tilda. Okay, the Tilda thing didn't actually bother me that much because she was sort of this matriarchal character. Yeah, and you could sort of you felt her presence through the whole rest of the movie. That's true. Do you know what I mean? Like she wasn't just there to be fridged and to provide the men with drama. She was there to be like the linchpin of the whole plot. Yes. yes. And so that didn't bother me as much because I thought that was actually a pretty neat role mm. for her to be like that that yeah. important to everybody and that important to everything. But it, it called um, out to me the lack of women. I was yeah, like, exactly. It just sort of – I don't. Ha- there wasn't any others until we saw Agatha and then Agatha was just this sort of object of prettiness yes. for the first – the and the movie. sister was, yeah, yeah, literally just a tool to get to her brother and all that sort mm. of thing. So, yeah, that, that did annoy me. But I thought that she, Madame D, the Tilda Swinton's character, might have been the most important character in the whole movie. Because mm. without her, there wouldn't be a movie. That's true. And she was so important. And so and she was so great in her scene. Yes. I mean, so great. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. See, the thing is, Ray Fiennes was really, really great. Yeah. Really good in the role and he had so many moments that were really funny and really charming and there's this really terrific moment I thought when um when um Adrian Brody is getting up in his face and calling him homophobic names yes and he just sort of even though he knows he's going to get in trouble for it and he knows he's going to get hit for it he just calls him out time after time mm, with yes. Adrian, Adrian Brody right up in his face and Adrian Brody is pretty intimidating in this movie yeah he's yes he um is. and so I thought that scene was terrific he had a lot of really really and I like the characters that have good and bad sides to them and all that sort of thing but that the reason that that scene stood out is because it didn't just feel like this is a bad side to this character it felt like that it wasn't so much calling out people on racism as legitimizing that difference between immigrants and refugees. Oh, okay. And that was what got me. 
Mm-hmm. Like, not that he's racist because that makes sense. Yeah. But that it insinuated in some way that, like, racism is legitimate in certain circumstances. Model minorities and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. It sort of let it, left a bit of taste in my mouth. And then there's this whole, like, the skiing Olympics scene. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was just like, for some reason, I just could not connect to that scene at all. Oh, okay. Like the rest of the journey, I was happy to be taken on. Then that scene happened and I was like, really? <laughs> oh, I really, I thought that so was great. Ridiculous. It was so I don't know why. beautifully slapstick. It was. And I don't know why, but I, at that point I was just like, that's dumb. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It like crossed my dumb threshold or something. Oh. And I was like, nope, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> but I think it might have been because earlier than that, there was that bit. Yeah. yeah, and so oh. I was already like put no, aside. See, I, yeah, I really liked it. Once they got on the run, or even the whole escape from jail thing was hilarious. That was pretty funny. Um, the on the run thing, I really liked that. But then that's my kind of thing, capers are my thing. Yeah, and I like them too. I just thought, I don't know why. I yeah, just, that crossed the the limit for me. I don't know. It was. It just that made me laugh. It wasn't as funny as some of the other bits, like when they have to pretend to be monks. That is kind of hilarious, and then also horribly violent, and. The cable car thing is really funny and cute with the like animated cable cars and mm. stuff, and even the whole um, all the diagonals of, in this. Yeah, lots of diagonals. <laughs> uh, the, the cute little um, stop motion animated yeah. ones by the looks of it. Uh, yeah, all, all those were really really cute, and the whole society of the crossed keys thing, and the little um, the little sort of section title cards and. All that the, kind of stuff. The Society of the Cross Keys, which is this whole group of concierges, that was pretty great. I really liked that because you the, just, like team up of concierges. You know that that exists. You just it do. was really funny. Um, and it had Bob Balaban. And, and Bill Murray. I was wondering if they had like got time off from the set of Monuments Men to pop over and <laughs> film a cameo. And, you know, have amazing facial hair. Yeah, that was pretty cute. There was some really neat. The, yeah, the thing is, I sort of enjoyed this movie up until that point, and after that, I didn't like it as much. Uh-huh. And so, everything after that, I didn't like as much. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I thought that the actors who were playing all the evil characters seemed to have a lot of fun with it. Yes, um, they did. Um, what's his face? Scary face man. Uh, Willem Dafoe. Oh, Willem Dafoe looked like he was having a great time. Yeah, that was so great. And I really liked his rather violent killing of um, Jeff Goldblum. Of Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that was such a great scene. People gasped out loud in the theatre I was in. They're like, <gasps> and then I sort of hadn't seen what had happened. And I was like, oh, my God, there's fingers on the ground. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. It was practically Tarantino-esque. Well, that's, um, that was what I wasn't expecting about this. I wasn't expecting it to be as violent as it was. Well, it, there's a lot of really dark humour in yeah, it. Yeah, it's really like dark. Like the dead cat oh. and the fingers and stuff like that. Like that. There's some really, really dark. Like I think Wes Anderson tends to make movies about you know the upper class, yes, and how difficult their lives are, mm. and um, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why I'm not I'm not as enamoured of Wes Anderson as other people are. Which is also one of the reasons why I like Fantastic Mr. Fox. Although it's about foxes, right? But of course, the funny thing is about this. He's writing about that very. It's the same kind of fascination that people have with things like Downton Abbey where these people who are really high-end service professionals who are probably not making a heck of a lot of money but they move in this world of money mm-hmm. and that that um, dichotomy between what your life is actually like and where you come from and having to dress up and be that posh concierge guy, that to yeah. me is an interesting thing to examine. And that is Gustav's like whole life. That's his whole persona basically he's enamored of all of that upper class stuff he ha- he has his cologne and he has his right um 
his particular suits and what are we animals? Yeah, the fa- fancy bakery, even all, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly, and that's sort of what he aspires to. Mm. And he is—I mean, he's just so good. He's so good. Mm. He's so delightful. Yeah, he—he's fantastic. I really enjoy. It. And I haven't—he hasn't done anything in ages other than play Voldemort. So it was nice to. See, I haven't seen him do anything high profile other than play Lord Voldemort in quite some time. And it was not, it sort of like felt like he's back on form or something. It's sort of a mm. comeback for him. You're looking him up now, aren't you? I am. I just, I also just spelled his name Rafe Fines. Uh, you know, you talked about um, facial hair. I Googled facial hair in the Grand Budapest Hotel. And there is, of course, an LA Times article about the fantastical facial hair of the Grand Budapest Hotel. Well, there's something very hipster about all the facial hair oh, yeah, in this yeah. movie. I well, mean, all like the embracing aesthetic. All the... I mean, the... Not so much the 1930s aesthetic, but that 1960s aesthetic with the mission brown and like the horrible shades of green and khaki and that 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 1960s version of that hotel is like hipster design magazine would be all over that the that that mid century furniture and stuff. I'm not a big fan he of it. He was in Skyfall. Oh yeah, he's um. Spoiler alert: going to be the new M. And then I saw him in Coriolanus. That was terrible. Oh, the movie. He, did, the, right. he was in The Hurt Locker. He was... I, he's done stuff, but I haven't... In, in none Bruges. of those movies he was the lead in. None of them. Not even in Bruges. Constant Gardner. Yeah, that's probably the last thing he was the lead in. When was that? 2005? Mm. Yeah. He was the lead in Coriolanus. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know he there played was a, Coriolanus. a movie of Coriolanus. All uh, I know about I, is I, the Hiddles <laughs> stage production. I was going to say, I assume it's not as good as the Hiddles. <laughs> Hiddles and Mark Gatiss, yeah. Hiddles version, but you know. No, it, well, it did exist. Oh, okay, um, I didn't know that. But honestly, it was he has Gerard Butler done a lot going at it. Oh, okay. Well, as far as I know, Coriolanus is about gay love, so it's Roman, <laughs> it right? They're all gay. <laughs> Very violent. Gay violent. Love. Something about his mother. Oh. Yeah, his mother was Shakespeare that was a expert. Movie, anyway. Yeah, he was really, really like. Mm. I mean, he also he hasn't ever done much comedy. Yes, and that he was too. very funny in this. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very funny. It's also yeah. always nice to see Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum was great, and I, even though I know there are problems with Edward Norton, I really like seeing him because he's always good. <laughs> yeah, I, I just didn't get why he was American. Well, um, oh well, strange. see, I that was part of the whole. I would rather have them do their real accents than try and do a fake one. So to be honest, I was glad he was American and not like putting on a fake Which German. I get. What I meant was why wasn't he just cast right? Like why wasn't the role just cast with somebody who's not friends with Wes Anderson? Because. But, well, that's the thing. Yeah. That, that's what the, this whole movie is. It's yeah, like, I have a buddies. role to fill. You're my friend. You can fill it. I have a role to fill. You're my friend and you're in Europe making a George Clooney movie, but you don't have that much screen time. Come and do this for two days. Yeah. Yeah. But also like, yeah, like Jason Schwartzman and all that. I mean, or even wrote roles in just so his friends could be in it. It Probably. seemed like. Yeah. There were so all his many friends roles. friends are dudes. Yeah. Mm. I liked when he used to have Angelica Houston in his movies. Angelica Houston she's is great. great. I haven't seen her in anything for a while. She's she's so good. She was in 50-50, which is, came out a few years ago. Which yes. Is about, oh, that's an excellent movie. I, oh, you saw it? saw it on a plane and like bawled my eyes out at three in the morning somewhere over the Pacific, I think. That's a really good movie. Yeah. She was really good in that. Anyway. She was great in that. Um, we should go back to talking about the movie. The actual movie? Which, I don't know. This is the thing. Like, even when I was writing the um, article about the review hmm. of it, which I realized I ended up writing in really posh language. <laughs> I keep I keep doing this where I, like, alter my 
review writing to, depending on the movie that yeah, I saw. Well, because the movie was very posh and it was uh, that was why it was like Mr. Fox actually because it had this wonderful rhythm to the the language was really fast but yeah. also very uh, flowery because of course the, um, the lead character is obsessed with romantic poetry and so yeah. you get this fast but flowery and posh and yeah and I understand why you would do that and all of the things that he does that are just so like he's in prison and he's giving everybody like warm broth and you know he's just he's Can like just you chaps in some gruel that's it that's something yeah. like that yeah it's okay this morning needs a bit of salt <laughs> like it's so he calls he calls everybody dears and darlings, darlings. yeah it's so great. I, I love it. He's so good in it. Yeah. Like he's so sort of fey, but also like everybody just loves him. Mm. Like he just inspires loyalty from but everyone. Cannot- Even the people who know the bad things that he's doing really love him. Right. But you can understand why. Yeah. Because I would love hanging out with him too. He's great fun. Yeah. It is something. There's also something skeezy about like Zero following around the way that he does. But well, when I I wrote the um plot summary, this is something like he goes on the run with his lobby boy, and I'm like, wait, wait goes on the run with a lobby boy. It, it sound it does sound a bit like he he just for whatever reason takes a liking to this kid, and then he's the favorite. Well, because it's not just that; it's because he's um because he's gay. Yeah. No, no. Um, I thought it was because Zero is really, really good at his job. Like Zero is because mm. you see that other lobby boy who isn't doing his job properly, right. and Zero gives him a talking to. When Gustav first interviews him, Zero impresses him with the answer to one of the questions. Yes. So he's taken a liking to him because he sort of sees himself in this kid. Yeah, he thinks who, this kid will be able to exactly. Work up and to his and level. you can see him like he works. Zero works really hard, and he gets everything right. He'll be given like a set of orders in two seconds, and he gets them all. You know that's why he likes Zero. Yeah, yeah. Is because it's not just because you know he's gay. Yeah, there, but there is that ske- skeezy kind of overtone. To yeah, it, and and you know that's in that paint painting as well. But he isn't gay. He's bi. Yeah, yeah. Gustav. Yeah. Um, so um, and he's he goes to bed with all his friends. I know, <laughs> which was such a good line. Yes, I found a. There's a. I'm trying to find a gif of that. I found a picture. It's wonderful. He just I go to bed and he sounds so like offended at the thought that he's he all my friends. <laughs> like exactly. of course I do. That's what happens. So great, don't you? Um, oh. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that, and he really likes them too. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting and it's funny, but mm. um, yeah, I, I didn't think it was just that. I think it was also that zero genuinely and and mm. zero, you know, after that happened, obviously was really good at his job because he ended up becoming really really rich and you know running a whole bunch of hotels. Yes. So he was clearly. Like yeah. very capable, mm-hmm. and that's what Gustav liked in him. I'd seen in him, yeah, yeah, that's true. And then he was like nurturing that. But there is this, yeah, it's an interesting, and it, it's this funny thing that Wes Anderson does with all of his colours and his attention to detail and his facial hair that makes you nostalgic for a time that didn't exist mm. and a place that didn't exist. None mm-hmm. of these countries are real. They're sort of vaguely based on places in Europe, mm-hmm. but not that well. And like the Nazis had nice uniforms, but they weren't nearly that well cut. No no hotel was ever painted that shade of pink. Nobody ate that many perfectly wrapped pastries from that bakery. None of them came out that – they didn't come out that evenly perfect every time, you know. Yeah. There's a whole none, – none of it is this perfect. And not, that hotel was never as perfect as anyone thought it was. But then – that the, the this main character who ha- harks back or harks back to a time that he's never lived through that seems to him to be more perfect than the time he's in as well. Yeah, there's that there's that sense of like nostalgia for the way things used to be, but they never used to be that way. No, and that's kind of what's represented in Gustav as like this character from a time that 
pretty much never was really in all of his politeness and his manners and all that sort of thing and mannerisms, yeah. but also with the racism and the sexism and that sort of thing. And you, you sort of see that in the era in which this is set. So Wes Anderson wants to harken back to 1930s screwball comedy and, uh, you know, that era of noir and caper and all those kind of films. But he, the way he's filming it is not in a way that ever really existed. Yeah. And the characters he's created later. And then – but it, it also harkens back to two other times, 1985 and 1968. Mm. 1968 is interesting because that's like student revolution era and all that sort of stuff. And it, it's the, the idea that the 60s has this hold on popular imagination – considerably out of proportion to what the reality of the time was like. Yeah. I and mean, so we go back not... to that that era. And then the 80s as well has this cultural hangover over perhaps hipster culture now, the kind of culture mm. that Wes Anderson is such a fan of. I don't – I mean, I don't think the 60s in the movie – the 60s in the movie was represented as like the decaying past mm. in a way. And also communism was coming in and that's mm. why, you know, Zero had to give up all of his – Wealth and all of that sort of thing was because communism was exactly. taking over that country. It's very so different. it's a country that was taken over first by the Nazis and then by communism. Yeah, so it's like Poland. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's not Poland. There's a few other countries in. That I know, but it's not. It's not a real country. No, no, it's not meant to be. I, I, I understand that, but again, that's like very much at odds with what how the 60s exists in popular, particularly Hollywood imagination, and what movies were coming out at the time, and all the countercultural stuff that was going on in the movies of that era, and mm. the desi- even the designers of that era, the people who made buildings that look like that hipster lounge room. <laughs> oh, God, it's so terrible. It's these horrible brown tones. Reminds me of the house I grew up in, which was, you know, original. You know what I just realised was weird? Yeah. They go on and on about the baths in the 60s, and then we never see them in the 30s. No, we see one. We have one shot of these decay, this decaying bathroom. Well, bath yeah, house. it's about yeah, bathhouse bath is a better word for it. And then it's you never go back to it. No, we just see even the, though they made such a big deal of out of it in the sixties, mm. that was weird. I only just remembered that. Yeah, they did. I don't, yeah, that's oh. that's kind of what the movie feels like. There's a lot of ideas that are sort of picked up and then dropped, mm. and a lot of there is a lot packed into it. Um, there is, and it's strange, and it's yeah. But mm. I mean, some of the strange is good. Yeah. And some of it isn't so good. It is ex- sen- um, extremely Wes Anderson-y. Yeah, <laughs> which is how we started the podcast. I know, but that's just <laughs> what it is. No, I know. It is. It is. Those colours and all the, the meticulousness. Yes. All of that meticulousness that Meticulous. he puts into everything. Yeah, absolutely. The the framing, the costuming, the hair, the facial hair. Yeah, it's and, – and every little detail on the screen. The Mexico birthmark. Yeah, all of that strange, these strange details about people and the strange, mm. you know, details about a time and a, a moment and an action scene and a, all of those things have these little strange details that mm. Wes Anderson delights in. Willem Dafoe picking up the fingers off the ground and yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, but it, and the bit with the cat. Like, did you just throw my cat out the window? And then we have to see the dead cat and he's going to take the dead cat home in a bag. <laughs> like so absurd it really is and it, well then he ends up throwing the cat in a bin it's just it's so well, only absurd because he's about to die himself yeah but, you know mm. yeah it's so funny uh anyway we started with the podcast with that and we've actually reached the end of it so okay we might, good. might wrap that up what are you giving it um i gave it three and a half stars me too there you go 
Cool. Thanks for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read our show notes, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of the Grand Budapest Hotel or anything else she watches, you can do that at her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. You can find us on Twitter at screen underscore queens. We have a Facebook page, which you can like, or you can find us tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.